Praise God. So good to have. I, I just love being together with you in church, by the way. I think we've all squeezed all the joy we can out of wearing face masks, right? <laughs> but you do it so well. Thank you for uh, working with us on that, and uh, we just so appreciate it. I just wanted to say, if some of you may not know, we, we're averaging about 40 people who, who register for a service who can't make it on a Sunday morning. It's the busyness of our life, the vicissitudes of what's going on, and just, it's just the reality. So I'm just saying, if you, if you, that's why we're going, uh, so if you sign up, because you know, things change, life happens, people just call us and you know, say, hey, look, we've, we've got this thing, we can't make it. But that leaves this place a little emptier than it needs to be. So when they said, you can register for the wait list, and if you wanted to get to a service and you don't get into the first, just do it anyway. Because uh, pretty much, we're, we're, gonna, we're like the airlines, we're gonna overbook, you know, just because uh, life happens to a lot of people. I wanna read you from Psalm 112, um, because it's, it's been something on my heart, this, this one phrase from the psalm, and it says, good, will come to those who are generous and lend freely. I like the idea that good is looking for me. I'm not looking for good things to happen. Good is gonna look for me now because if I'm, the Bible says, if I'm generous and lend freely, then good is gonna to come to me. It's gonna chase me down. It's gonna find me because I'm doing what the Lord says. It's an intriguing concept to me that somehow we think that if I can just administer good financial principles but my life doesn't have to be good, that I can, I can press forward and I can, I can succeed financially without having to walk well before the Lord. So Psalm 112 says, blessed are those who fear the Lord and who find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land and the generation of the upright will be blessed. Isn't that interesting? So there's all these benefits start to accrue, all these spiritual benefits start to accrue to those who walk uprightly, who walk in the fear of God, and God begins to command his blessing, his blessing starts to seek them out, and sometimes we think it's a direct line, if I do this, then I'm going to get this blessing, but the, but the Lord says, if you walk before me, I'll start to bless your children on your behalf. In fact, there's six or seven generations after King David, God is still blessing his children for the sake of David. So I like this. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are gonna be in their house and their righteousness will endure forever. For even in the darkness, light will dawn for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken and they will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts will be steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure, they will have no fear, and in the end, they will look on, in triumph on their foes, for they have scattered freely their gifts to the poor, and their righteousness endures forever. I just wanted to say thank you for the generosity and scattering uh, gifts to those who are in need. I really appreciate that, keep doing that. We're loving this opportunity to be generous, because the Bible says good is looking for those people who are generous and lend freely. So just, I wanted to commend you. Thank you for your faithfulness in this giving season. And I'm gonna invite you to give online as the Lord uh, uh, speaks to you. And we have some, there's a box over there and a box of, uh, at the, at the, on the, both exits as uh, if you're one of the remnant who doesn't wanna do it online. So no, I, I wanna give it in person. Those are the boxes for you. We're continuing on our series called They Devoted Themselves, and it's been a very helpful uh, kind of series for me um, 
because we've, it's kind of been a reminder that what we devote ourselves to in private is going to be proven in public. So the pressures and stresses of today will be quashed by the devotions of yesterday. Because the wisdom and the understanding and the encouragement that I previously received empowers me now, yesterday's devotions are today's fuel. Did I say that again? Yesterday's devotions, what you devoted yourself to yesterday is going to be the fuel for today. If you devoted yourself to the word of the Lord and to times of prayer and to seeking the Lord, it will be fuel for today's fire. You will go out in joy, be led forth in peace, and your day will be significantly different if you devoted yourself to some other things. Of course, the series has only been great if it's actually moved some of us to do more. I know we've been breaking bread more. We've had a greater commitment to the Word of God. We've been wanting. So the series is great if it's, if it's tickled our ears. That's been one thing. But it's, if it's actually helped you, if you actually have devoted yourself to more serious things, that's the, the beauty and the joy of the series. So we're looking at Acts 2, which is really where the, where the series is taken from. And it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everybody was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And so today I want to talk about signs and wonders and miracles. Now, let me suggest that today's message and uh, your devotions, what you devote yourself to, goes a little further than your own life. What you devote yourself to impacts us corporately. See, it's one thing we've been, we've been looking at this and going, well, I've got to devote myself and then it's going to help me. But it, 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 what you devote yourself to helps us. The fledgling church devoted themselves uh, to these things that we know, and they, uh, what, what we know about them is what they didn't know at the time, is that in about four years' time after this scripture, a, a persecution is going to break out against them, and they're going to be forced out of Jerusalem, forced out of their homes, forced away, and they're going to have to run, and they're going to have to go uh, and, and try and make a life for themselves. But the Bible t- talks about this, that they go out preaching everywhere, and they explode out into a certain region of the world. Their devotion to the correct things in private paid off handsomely. They were exploded out of obscurity to take over the world by preaching everywhere where they were scattered. And that scripture we found in Acts 8 as we've gone through. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Now, I want to show you this map just because it'll give you some idea of what Judea and Samaria is. Now, if you see that uh, right at the, the bottom, sort of towards the bottom of that circle, there's Jerusalem. And so they were in Jerusalem, and this persecution hits them, and they scatter throughout Judea and Samaria. This ch- the church just is, is expelled out, and they, then they go, they run, they grab and run, and they go everywhere preaching. And so suddenly miracles and the, and the gospel begins to explode all throughout that region. So instead of the, the religious leaders having one little group in Jerusalem who are a problem, there's now problem everywhere for them, because the the church has exploded out, um, and this is what made the difference. If the church had had not been devoting themselves to the right things, they would have exploded out and hidden away in fear, but they exploded out into a proclamation of the gospel. They went everywhere. There was such a concentration of beauty, such a grace that had settled on their lives, such a confidence, such an understanding of the nature of the king and his kingdom, that wherever they went, they took that kingdom with them. 
And so the question that we've been posing and that lies behind this whole thing is, imagine if we suffered a great persecution and we had to leave, would we go preaching? Or would we go whimpering or complaining? They went out and preached the gospel everywhere and uh, just made a massive difference in the world that they lived in. Now you say, well, that's, that's great news and, and I'm excited about that. Of course, what they didn't know, which we do, is about eight years after that, another persecution's coming. Because these people who went out preaching saw the Lord move among them and they devoted themselves even more because now they had some understanding. Oh, wow, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that I spent some time with the Lord. I'm so grateful I spent that time in prayer this morning. I'm so grateful that I heard the Lord's voice today. I'm so grateful that I could break bread with some people and they reminded me of the victory of Jesus. I'm so grateful that when I was down, I had some fellowship who could pick me up. See, it's no longer theory to these people. It's no longer just a nice added spiritual discipline. Now it's the stuff of life. I have to be engaged in this. We've had the tiniest fraction of, of a sense of that when this little bump hit our world. And, and, and it was amazing to me the, the, the wobbliness of some church people. Again, why are we wobbling with this? This is not, I'm convinced that the shaking, when's it gonna stop shaking? When you stop shaking. This shaking will stop when you stop shaking. Because God's going to shake everything that can be shaken until what can't be shaken remains. So the only way in the shaking we prove that we're of our fathers, we're not shaking because it's shaking around us. Right? When's it going to stop shaking, Greg? When you stop shaking. And so what's been amazing to me is we have this little whisper of a challenge in, in, in the wobbliness of some people in the church. I'm going, why wobblest thou? Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. But some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So let me show you the map of what happened here. What, uh, what, uh, this, eight years later, that little small circle is where they original, the original persecution pushed them out. And they went out and they preached uh, around Samaria there, and, and they just preached to Jews. And then the, the second persecution pushed them out even more, and they went around Cyprus, Antioch, all around that region, and they preached not only to Jews, but they started preaching to Gentiles. And the Gentile church is born. Because Gentiles start to believe, and the power of God starts to flow, and God begins to expand his kingdom. Now, that church in Antioch up there, uh, Barnabas, because there's such a, a revival in Antioch that the apostles in Jerusalem hear about it, and they said to Barnabas, you better go up. Barnabas is a prophet. They send the prophet up there to go bring some government to the church because it's just exploding. And so Barnabas goes up, and he looks around. And he goes, man, this is, a, this is at least a two-person job. And he goes and finds Saul of Tarsus. Tarsus is a little bit above Antioch. Saul is licking his wounds because nobody in the church wants to talk to Saul. And Barnabas goes, this, Barnabas called the son of encouragement. He goes to Paul and he says, listen, come with me. I need your help. And Paul says, nobody wants to talk to me. I'm going to eat some worms. He says, come with me. And so they go down to Antioch and they, they lead the church together there. And after a, a little while, uh, because, because 
Barnabas is a prophet and Paul is a teacher, and they, the, the mixture between the prophet and the teacher brings forth a church there, which is the first time in Antioch where anybody was called Christians. They were like Christ. That's what they said. These people are like Jesus. And, and so that mixture, and then Paul and Barnabas are, are set in, into an apostolic ministry from Antioch, and then they travel, and they, they travel around the world. Because this is an important piece of history. This is an important part. And the way God had said, I want you to go and preach this gospel to everybody in the church amen. And they didn't do anything until he persecuted. Little persecution hit the church. And then they said, oh my, I think we'll go and do that now. A few people in the room caught that. Sometimes you can obey God and sometimes he has to apply a, a goad. Why don't we go ahead and just do what I said now? Why don't we, why don't we do that? Okay. Let's do that, Lord. Perhaps if you hear one thing out of this message, I want you to hear this. You devoting yourselves to the right things doesn't just benefit you. It benefits us. You know what a joy it is to minister in a whole group of people who have devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. They come in full of the word, full of the voice of God. They've been in fellowship with people all week. They've broken bread together. They've, they've been praying and trusting God this week. When they come to a service, you know what the service then becomes? Just a celebration, just an equipping, just a moving downfield. And the explosiveness of the environment changes. So I wanna say environ, environment matters. Environment matters, and, and, and you have an addition to our environment. See, so many people go, oh, well, come on then, Apostle Boy, do some miracles. You know, do, come on, let's wear the miracles. Come on, Apostle Boy. Go, yeah, yeah, uh, environment matters. See, it's, it's not inconsequential. It says they devoted themselves to these things, and then many signs were done by the hands of the apostles. See, that environment matters. And the unity of the Holy Spirit is one of the keys to environment that you and I have a part to play in. Ephesians 4 says, be completely humble and gentle, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Well, I made some effort, not enough. You have to make every effort. <laughs> is there still something you think you could do? Yeah, well, then you haven't made every effort because you still can do that one. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Well, I don't think it's that important, Greg. I absolutely know it's that important because the Holy Spirit lives among us and He wants to move in this group of people. And so the environment, the environment matters. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all and through all and in all. And these are the things that we're discovering. It goes further than just a necessary ingredient for your life and the good idea. It impacts us. Miracles started breaking out among them. It wasn't in a vacuum. It was attached to their devotions. Many were filled with awe. That's not just in the community, but outside the community. People outside in the community, because these people went home and said, man, we were just there. This thing happened, and this blind guy got healed. Astounding. 
See, the people who see regular signs and healings and miracles are those people who have devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrines and to prayer and to breaking of bread. I've never met somebody who regularly sees miracles who is not devoted to those things. They have a deep respect for the gathering of God's people. It includes fellowship, but it's an intense awareness of the unity that is important among us. Solomon said to the one mother, she said she killed her, she'd fall asleep and rolled over and killed her baby in the night. And she said, no, that's my baby. And the mother said, no, it's my baby. And he said, bring me a sword. Let's just cut this baby in two. You can each have half. And the real mother said, no, 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 that's fine. You let her have it. And the other one said, sure, let's do that. Let's keep, yeah, cut the baby in half. Sometimes in the church and people go, yeah, let's cut it in half. Let's just cut it up. Because they disagreed with somebody. Well, let's just cut out that half of the church. And you, and you can tell who the real parent in the church is because they go, no, 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 let's just keep the church together. Ah, cut them off. I don't like who they're voting for. Cut them off. Was that a little too close? <laughs> too soon? Okay. See, the unity of the Spirit this clear awareness that the body of Christ includes all believers. Jesus taught us to pray our Father, not my Father. Our Father has become my Father in our thinking. Think about that. The condescension of Jesus to say, when you pray, pray this, our Father. Jesus didn't say pray to my Father. He said pray to our Father. Think of that. Jesus said pray our Father. And we go, my Father. I'm not saying that you, you don't have to have an intimate connection with the Father. The Holy Spirit's going to work that in you. But understand that He's our Father. And there is a sense of the togetherness of the church that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. There is a space where you are the most holy place of the Holy Spirit. But there is another scripture that says we together are being built into a spiritual house in which God will dwell by His Spirit. And so this whole, the Holy Spirit will come and move among a group of people who are aware of the unity. Because environment matters. And when we devote ourselves to the right things, the Holy Spirit begins to move among us. And there is a movement among us that people start to come in to and benefit from because they're part of what is going on together. Amen. We're called the body of Christ and each one of us has a part to play and I don't mind if you're on the opposite side of the body of Christ to me. My eye and my toe are going to have a very different idea about what we should be doing. So we're called the body of Christ and we're called the building of God. We're like living stones being placed and we have a very specific place in the building and God will dwell among us. This is why Paul says in Corinthians, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say so that there will be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Make up your mind to do no harm to the body of Christ. Make every effort, as Paul exhorts us in Ephesians and as he exhorts us here in Corinthians, agree with one another so that there are no divisions. Greg, why is this so important? Because the Spirit is building a unity, and when you fight unity, you're pushing it back against what He wants to do. And you cannot regularly press against what the Holy Spirit wants to do and receive the blessings that He wants to bring. 
If you want the blessings that the Holy Spirit wants to freely bestow, you have to get in line and in step with the Spirit of God. Is anybody, is, did that register with anybody? Because it, like, it felt like a... If we want to embrace it, okay, Holy Spirit, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, one of the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit is miracles. Like you know this, right? And miracles are available for everybody. And so, so if you want to function in miracles, you can, but you have to be in step with the Holy Spirit. You can't be fighting the Holy Spirit and then saying, why are you not bringing miracles? He goes, because I need your cooperation. I need you to listen to my voice. I need you to do what I'm telling you to do. Lord, heal this guy. Well, spit on the ground and make some mud. I'm not doing that. Lord, heal him. Okay, spit on the ground. I'm not doing that. Okay, we have a problem. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is bringing a unity in the body of Christ. And when I fight against the unity the Spirit's trying to bring, then I go, why is the Holy Spirit not moving among us? Because you, every time he lights a fire, are stamping it out. Okay, I, I'm gonna, this is going to get happy from now. I promise. Am I, am I being too harsh? It's what Paul warned the Corinthians about. He says, listen, guys, if, you're not, if you don't correctly discern the body of Christ, if, you, if you're fighting and bickering and stabbing and hurting other members of the body of Christ, and then you're going, how come my body is being stabbed and hurt and, and I'm dying prematurely, I'm getting sick? How come my prayer's not being answered for my body? Paul said, for this reason, some of you are sick and weak and you die prematurely. Why? Because you're not recognizing the body of Christ. Philippians 4. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they are contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Now, this idea of bringing unity is especially true for leaders in the church. This Yodia and Syntyche were two leaders in the church who each had their own little posse of followers and supporters and a general cheerleading squad. And they didn't see eye to eye. They saw eye to belly button. They didn't really agree with one another. And uh, so they had, to, you know, it had now become a, a, a bit of a spitting competition between these two women. And now the church was creating camps and Paul writes to them. Can you imagine? Paul has to spend some time in scripture saying, hey, 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 could somebody just get those two ladies under control? Because they're both leading really great groups in the church, but we need to just slow down. Can, can, you, can you people who are helping them, you guys are standing around, help them. I plead with you. Let's get beyond this. Paul has to call them out and ask the people around them to help. Environment matters. Environment matters when it brings the unity of the spirit and environment matters when, when we have to try and grow the faith of the community. As a group, uh, because you know one of the unique privileges of ministering around the world is you can go into a church and you can almost feel the faith environment of the church. I went in, we went into a church, uh, uh, I won't tell you where, but the Lord had given me a, a real word about it. He said, I want, I want to heal eyes that have, have just recently gone down. And, and, uh, but in that church, the, the, the senior, one of the senior pastor's brother, who was also on staff, his wife had just died of cancer. And the church was just zero faith for healing. And, and, this, and so, I, well, I, so I called this word out. And this one lady, there were about 500 people stood. But one lady stood at the back. And she just got diagnosed. with She had cysts in her eyes. And they were going to have to do an operation. And she gets instantly healed right there. Boom. 
And out of all of those, that lady was the only one because she, she reached out and grabbed hold of it. And, and, and this is a miracle. It just happened right there, boom. And so we heard about that because she, she emailed us and said, hey, this miracle's happened. I'm, I went back to the ophthalmologist. He goes, I, I don't know what to tell you. You don't need to come back. So, so we, we wrote to the leadership, just sent them the, the testimony. And it was like, yeah, ah, I doubt that. See, sometimes we, we need to work together on growing our faith. This is what Paul said, 2 Corinthians 10. We, our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand. Did you catch that? If we can get faith to grow, we can expand the activity of God among us. How come God always works in your church? Well, because we always believe him for it. How come God never works in our church? Because you never ask him for it. Faith needs to grow. Let me say it again. Miracles breaking out regularly among us has to do with what we ourselves devote ourselves to. Environments matter. What you bring into the mix is added to the mix, and we all taste whatever you added. So if you bring a massive dose of cynicism and anger and bitterness and you throw those bitter herbs into our pot, we're all going to taste a little bit of the bitterness. But when I've devoted myself to the Word of God, for example, and to the apostles' doctrine, that begins to stir my faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And uh, hearing God's voice is suddenly made exponentially easier because my thoughts are more likely to be aligned with His kingdom because I've washed them with the water of His Word. And my heart is more likely to be on fire because His Word in my heart is like a fire shut up in my bones, Jeremiah said. And my footsteps are more likely to be guarded because Your Word is a lamp unto my path. Do you understand when I devote myself to the Word of God, suddenly I come into the meeting and what I add to the mix is entirely helpful to the mix. When I've devoted myself to prayer, I've spent time listening to God and what the Holy Spirit wants me to pray about and I've wrestled with desires and I've called out on the Lord and I've, I've, I've focused on the promises of God and I've looked for the answers and I'm being watchful and thankful as the scripture says I must be and I've gone ahead in prayer and I've laid pathways for the favor and blessing of God to flow into my life. So when I come into a meeting, I come in with that grand expectation and with that spirit of faith going, I haven't seen it yet, but could be today. When I've devoted myself to the breaking of bread, I've reinforced the victory of Jesus in my life and I've laid claim to all the benefits of God and I've reminded myself of his promises and his victory. When I've devoted myself to fellowship, the Holy Spirit has been free to speak to me through other people and he's encouraged me and he's, he's, he's egged me on and he's given me wisdom that shoots me forward in my momentum and it supplies uh, uh, just a, a, a a barrier between the pain that this life wants to throw at me. It inoculates me from some of the challenges the enemy wants to throw my way. Together, we can elevate faith among us. That's why the Bible says, encourage one another daily. As you see, inspire encourage, speak hope, speak faith. Because there are signs and wonders going on amongst us all the time. That's why every week we have testimonies that come up on the screen. 
You know why? Because every week we just put a little pot of water on the stove and we fire it up because I want to heat up the value of our faith. I want this thing to be heated up more and more and more and so that when we have a week where there isn't a testimony, you go, that is really strange. Something weird is going on. Not when there's a miracle. You go, wow. I want testimonies every week so that our faith can grow and begin to spark into expectation in the middle of this world's field of cynicism. That we begin to produce fruit despite the sea of doubt. That signs are gonna be everywhere for anybody who wants to see to see. And we approach this as a team. Everybody bringing something. You come in theos. We get our, our English word enthused from two Greek words, in theos, in God. I come in God. I come fired up. I come prayed up. I come fellowshiped up. I come with the victory of God. I come in theos so that my worship now is a declaration of bold victory and celebration of goodness. Not a desperate clinging on, God, help me, help me make it through the night. No, it's a look at you, how beautiful you are. There's so many other things that we could talk about environment, but environment matters. We fight for the faith of the community. You know, uh, we, were, we went to minister to this church, and um, a small church, and they heard that Michelle was coming. Now, uh, in, in some circles, Michelle is, is held in great, great esteem as a prophet. So we go there, and this lady, who has a frozen shoulder, it's been frozen for some years, she can't, she can't move it, and it's a real pain. And she hears that a prophet is coming. And I see, we, so we're just having dinner with the elders, and this lady comes up, and she's like a little nervous, and she goes, can I speak to you, to Michelle? Michelle says, sure, come, you know, come sit here. And she, and, but she's not nervous, because she's with a prophet. Why? Because her faith is reaching out, because she has a prophet of God. And she goes, this shoulder, and would you pray for me? And Michelle prays for her, and gets instantly healed. Just, just instantly healed. Unbelievably, and, and like she's, she's like, and everybody's freaking out, and it was like, sure. And, but you know, you know, I learned something that day. Here's a woman, it wasn't because it was because she had such a faith, such an expectation, such a high esteem of what God could do. And when and all, all it was a point of contact for her faith, and boom, the healing of God flowed. Environment matters. <laughs> you know, some people have been taught cynicism as though cynicism is a virtue for Christianity. There's some, there's some, there's some schools of theology that teach cynicism like it's a virtue. The miracles are for us, and their message is for the community. I want you to understand that every miracle that comes to you has a message attached. The miracle is not just to bless you and give you what you're asking. The miracle is also a message for your community. And if you don't understand that, you'll miss the major impact of the miracle because the miracle's great for you, but the miracle speaks to a community. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and the, and the Pharisees said, we've got to kill Lazarus again. Because they go, Lazarus being alive is preaching a gospel that we don't like. 
We owe our community miracles from God, not just because we want miracles for our lives, but that our community needs a demonstration that God is active and alive today. And they're looking for the community that God is active and alive among so that they can listen to your voice when you preach. Two words, wonders and signs. Everyone was filled with awe at the wonders and signs. Wonders is the, uh, terata is the word in the Greek. It means a wonder or a marvel, something that you're amazed at. And signs are simeon or simea here, a sign or a miracle. Now, uh, I have uh, made available, it'll be up on the website. There is a graph, it's uh, three or four pages long, of all the miracles of Jesus. And uh, basically it looks something like this. You'll see it coming up now. But I've just listed all the miracles of Jesus. And so it says where the miracle is and where the reference is. And then there's the mechanics and the message. I, would, I didn't put it up there. I was going to preach on it. And I felt like, no, I'm going to make it available for anybody who wants to go and find it. So you can go look up those references. And I want you to look at two things. I want you to look at the mechanics. What did Jesus do and what did he tell the people to do? What did Jesus do? What did he tell the people to do? What were the mechanics involved in the miracle? And then I want you to think about what was the message. John 2. This, the first of his signs, Simea, the first of the signs that Jesus did was why? He turned water into wine. Why? Because he, was, because he was particularly passionate about the quality of the wine? No, because he wanted to let his disciples see that who he was. It was a sign to demonstrate to them his nature. And he says, their disciples watched this Watched water go in and wine come out, and then they looked at him and said, you're the Christ. You, you, you're the Son of God. That was exactly what it was designed for. What were the mechanics and what was the message? I think you'd do well. For those who are seeking miracles, I think it'll be helpful to you. Now, let me wrap this up because I, I, I want to... The simple truth is that God wants to do signs and miracles for our community. Absolutely no doubt in my mind. It's in the nature of God to want to do that, and it's in the nature of people to want God to be defined and answerable to us. See, you see a slight problem here. Jesus will not be defined or answerable to unregenerate minds. He will not be held accountable to us. He's not going to reduce himself to the level to have to ask permission of those he created that he, if he could be God. Signs are given when, when God gives signs and miracles, he often gives them, but he doesn't fully explain them. They're not clear to all. They're visible, impactful, disquieting, exasperating, and all of those things are designed to draw us in. So when oftentimes people say, I want to see a miracle, what you think you want is I want a nice, neat, well-modulated, nothing that makes me uncomfortable. I want you to do something, and I want it to be calm with nice background music, and, and then I want to see it, and then I want the doctor's report, and I want it all nicely packaged by the end of the hour. Very, very seldom does God do it in the way that my mind likes it. My heart has to lay hold of some things that my mind doesn't yet understand. I've seen people supernatural movings of God. I've seen people get out of wheelchairs. I've seen the blind, a woman born blind, see for the first time when she came out of the waters of baptism. We've seen people have encounters. We've seen miracles. I've seen people walking and speaking who never could and seeing who never could. We've seen God move and miracles and signs and wonders, but very, very seldom has any one of those been a comfortable moment for me. They're disquieting as they're supposed to be. 
Why? Because God's not going to dance to our tune. They said to him, show us a sign. And Jesus said, a wicked and unbelieving generation asks for a sign. I'll tell you what, the only sign that will be given to you is the sign of Jonah. What does he mean, the sign of Jonah? Well, Jonah was swallowed by three days and Jesus was swallowed in the earth three days because that's your sign. That's my miracle. When I get raised again, that's your miracle. That's your sign. God wants to do signs and wonders and things that will provoke our faith and challenge our thinking. He's going to stir our spirits and sometimes he'll even offend your mind to engage your heart. Now, neither my mind nor yours is the final arbiter of truth or possibility. So I have to learn to let my heart grab hold of things that my mind doesn't yet understand. I can reach out and grab something in faith that my brain is going, well, I don't think this is possible. I don't think, why should you ask for this? I know everybody knows you. This could never happen. So I have to reach beyond what my mind can conceive of, and I have to reach into the spirit realm and just say, Lord, I trust you. I was in a church. The Lord showed me a vision of a guy, showed me what he was dressed and said, he just signed a business deal this morning. Tell him, tell him. I will make that the profit of that business 10 times if he'll ask the church to pray for him because I want his, his role in the church is supposed to be a financial giver. So now I'm, I chickened out because I'm standing in worship and the Lord shows me this picture. So I walk to the side and I turn around and I look to see. The Lord showed me where he was in the building. I look and there he's sitting. So I was like, wow, now I'm full of faith, right? So I get up and I say, there's somebody here and the Lord gave, you, know, gave you, you signed a business deal this morning. Where are you? And nobody puts up their hand. Now I'm looking at him, and he's comfortably sitting. I go, no, 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 this morning, you signed a deal. So then I, so, so I say, hey, if you have a business, stand up. And so we pray some wussy prayer because he didn't want to. So now we, we pray, everybody sits down, but now I'm ticked. So I point him out. <laughs> I'm usually more graceful. I go, you, you, didn't you sign a deal this morning? He goes, yeah. I don't, don't you want the Lord to bless you 10 times? Yeah. I said, stand up. <laughs> see, here's a guy. See, here's a guy who's in the middle of a miracle. In the middle of a miracle. The Lord has picked him out of a crowd. Told him what happened. He showed me this. He said, last night I got the contract. This morning I signed it. He showed me the contract. I go, why, why don't you stand? He's in the middle of a miracle and his brain still cannot accept you understand? Still fighting it in his head. Yeah, it can't be me. I mean, this can't be true. God can't be doing this. So let's talk about how we do this. First, we have to understand that Jesus said what he heard his father say. And Jesus only did what he saw his father doing. So he said what he heard, he did what he saw. Said what he heard, did what he saw. Said what he heard, did what he saw. If you want to see miracles, you have to start saying what you hear, doing what you see Jesus doing. You know what this means? Any promise the Lord has spoken over your life needs to come out of your mouth. You need to start saying what he said. Well, that's presumptuous. No, it's presumptuous of you to say something other than what he said, because he's the king of glory. He's the one who created the universe by his word. And if he says it, and you say something different, that's presumptuous. You need to say what he said to you. If he said, I'm going to richly bless you, you need to start saying, God is going to richly bless me. 
<laughs> Amen. It's not difficult. Jesus said, I, I can only say what I heard my father say. Jesus said, I want you to understand these things, these miracles that I'm doing, they're not from me. This is the father doing his work through me. Because I can only say what I heard him say, and I can only do what I saw him doing. It's not going to be any different for us. What's God saying to you? And what have you seen him do? In the last year, you will have been privy at some vantage point to look up and see God do something good in somebody's life. If you saw him doing it, you can do the same. So what have you heard God saying to you? What have you seen God doing in the past year? We're going to say it and we're going to do it. See, I've seen God do some healings in the last year. We just heard a testimony this morning. Well, I don't know what God's doing. Well, we just had a video from last week. This is what God's doing. You need healing? A visible demonstration. Almost every week, the Lord going, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm about that in this church. I'm about that among these people. This is what I do here. Any testimony you've heard in the last year, you can claim it because that's what God is doing. If you really want to get specific, anything written down in the word of God that was also specifically written for you because God said, I want to show you what I'm like. So we're going to close this time in, in prayer. I'm going to ask Richard if you would just come forward because something on Richard as usual. <laughs> I was just sitting thanking, you know, I was just thinking, Richard, for 19 years about or 20 years of ministry in the church, I just wanted to honor you. Thank you so much. Now, Amen. I just thought about the Bartolo family who've been just faithfully serving the church and how much, what an impact their family's made. So I just appreciate them. There are some people sitting in this place that I know feel like a miracle is a million miles away. And I want to tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. The miracle is so close to you. Isaiah 49 is the scripture the Lord put in my heart for this morning. Shout for joy, you heavens, rejoice, you earth, burst into song, you mountains. For the Lord will comfort his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. Good news for the afflicted this morning. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child that she's born though she may forget you I will not forget you see I have engraved you on the palms of my hand your walls are ever before me and your children will hasten back and those who laid you waste will depart from you. Lift up your eyes and look around. All your children will gather and come back to you. As surely as I live, declares the Lord. The picture I had in my spirit of was of the Father reaching out His hand to each of us. 
And I saw some people who had been maybe shaking a fist, maybe pointing a finger in accusation, maybe just huddled down and hunkered down, almost, almost curled up in a fetal position in front of God. And I saw the father walk out, beautiful smile, full of love, reached out his hand. And I saw some people just have enough courage to put their hand in his hand. Just, just take all of his hand. And I saw him hold like that. And he said, what do you want? So I know almost, if we, if we had a poll the room, almost everybody in the room probably say, I, I need a miracle. And if, if you don't need a miracle, you can pray for me. I'll give you a few of mine you can pray for. If you need to pray for one. I got a few. I got a few I'd like. But if you're somebody who's trusting God for a miracle, I'm, I'm just going to invite you to stand with me. And in the quietness of this moment, we're just going to reach up, put our hand in the hand of our Father. And then we're just going to take 30 seconds to say, Father, this is what I need. I, I, need, I need you to help me, Father. So let's just do that. If you need a miracle, why don't you just stand with me and let's put our hand in his hand. I want you to just close your eyes, reach out your hand, put your hand in his hand. Can you feel his, his strong hand around you? I want you to look up into his face. Can you see his love? You see his smile. Won't you just whisper to your father? Father, I'm trusting you for this miracle. Just name it. Father, on behalf of everybody who needs a healing, we come into your courts and I claim the blood of Jesus and the stripes on Jesus' back as enough. And I banish that spirit of infirmity. I break you off these people. I break your hold. For Father, the blood of Jesus speaks a better word than infirmity. And Father, I release healing and miraculous power right now into people's lives. I break off those things and I release healing in Jesus' name, instant healing, supernatural. I break pain. I say in Jesus' name, you're broken off these people. I loose, Father, your fire and your blessing. I loose your fire, Lord, and your, and your shaking to shake loose infirmity in Jesus' name. For Lord, everybody who stood for lack, I break lack off of your people in Jesus' name. For the blood of my Jesus speaks a better word. For Jesus, though you were so very rich, you became so very poor so that in you we might have provision. And so, Father, I release provision onto every set of circumstances. I release your favor, Lord. I release open doors. I release new new opportunities. I lose great ideas. I release supernatural reduction of time. I rebuke, Lord, and break the devourer for the sake of your people. But I thank you, Father, that a rich prosperity now well up. I pray for blessing on your people and wisdom, Lord, on how to manage that. 
for everybody standing, Lord, for a relational break. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would forbid division, and I break that spirit of division off your people, and I release, Lord, just a calling back. We call to the children, Lord, who've gone far away. We call to the children who are out of, uh, Lord, line. We say, come back, come back in Jesus' name. We're asking, Lord, that you would release angels to draw them back into your household, Lord. For every little one, Lord, where there's a physical need or an emotional need or a spiritual need, Father, bring healing and health. For everyone who's crying out, God, I need to know your heart and your mind. I'm asking, Lord, for a new, a new day in our church, a new gear, Lord, where people will begin to hear the voice of God in supernatural ways, Lord, that there would be, this is what the Lord says. This is what I want for you. This is where I want to take you. And I pray for clarity, Lord, supernatural clarity for the voice of the Lord to be heard. I heard the Lord say, Jason, come home. Father, I just agree with that parent. I say, yes, Jason, come on. We release your fire and your, and your calling, Lord, and Jason, come on home. Ah. Father, we were not meant to ask these things from a distance. We were meant to ask them, Lord, in your embrace. So we celebrate this embrace. We pray for blessing, for fruitfulness, for kindness, for open doors in our community to proclaim this gospel through these miracles. And we ask, Lord, that from this place, the name of Jesus would go out heralded and exalted worshipped and adored. And Lord, every time, every one of the answers to this, I pray that it would resound as a testimony and that, Lord, you do it not only for these people standing, but for us as a community. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much. Why don't you take your seats?